Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kabaz, mama, journalist, coach, and founder of Mama Rising. This podcast is a space of community and collaboration. We gather stories of matrescence, motherhood, womanhood, and change told by our Mama Rising coaches and mothers around the globe in the knowing that through our stories, we can begin to heal and change the way the world sees, values, and supports mothers everywhere. So, welcome to the Happy Mama Movement. Rachel, welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. Thank you for jumping on and having this conversation with me. We're only a few days away from Christmas, so it's a very special moment to be able to share with you. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I really wanted your wisdom and insights on the podcast this year to talk about the experience both for yourself and the women that you teach and share with around women's circles and what we are really craving and needing in those communities and spaces from each other and for ourselves. But first, could we go back to your experience of becoming a mother and your own matrescence and what that has been like for you? Take us back to the beginning. Sure. So I became a mum, I became pregnant when I was 26, which I think is fairly young and I was one of the first in my friendship groups to go down that path and I was working in the city and I loved my job and I would be what you'd call a workaholic and got a lot of my identity through my work and I became pregnant and then I had hyperemesis gravidarum Mm. and so everything kind of came to a standstill very early in that pregnancy. Uh, I had to let go of my work. I dropped right back down to part-time. I stopped going into the office. We just made a move from Sydney to Wollongong on the coast and I didn't know anyone in the area. So I'm 26, I'm pregnant. I no longer have my work and my office of 25 women who I just love to spend time with. And I'm laying up on the lounge, vomiting into a bag multiple times throughout the day and feeling really sorry for myself. My partner, at the, not at the time, my partner was at the time working away Monday to Friday. So I was deeply lonely wow. and isolated through that experience. And I think I thought I could just mentally move through pregnancy and I really did have this concept before becoming pregnant that life would look quite similar I'd return to work at like three months postpartum you know 
my boss was this amazing woman and she just had twins and she was still kind of showing up at the office. And so that was my example. Mm. Um, but then getting HG, I just, uh, you know, my, my plans shifted dramatically. Um, and so I, I did what I could to get through that pregnancy. And then I had my baby, I went through, um, the hospital system and I had a not so great experience. I came out the other side with some birth trauma. And so I entered motherhood and matrescence from quite a traumatic, dark space. Um, and it was marred with a lot of isolation and loneliness, to mm. be honest. And when I had my baby in my arms and I did feel so much better not being pregnant, it was like my energy just returned. I wasn't nauseated all day, every day. Um, I was just like a dog with a bone. I need to find community. I need to find other women and mothers who are going on this journey. I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't feel like anyone understands what's happening to me. Where are all the women? Mm-hmm. And so I just applied my overachieving workaholic <laughs> former self to then building community for myself. So I was the one that was on all the Facebook groups, creating the meetups and joining all the groups and seeking out, you know, whatever I could. I would volunteer at the Australian Breastfeeding Association meetups just so I could actually be in the room and and meet people. Um, I had a postpartum doula who had monthly meetups with her clients and then I wanted to create the WhatsApp group so we stayed in touch in between and then I said, let's get all the partners together. So I've always been a community connector and I really did dedicate that first two years of becoming a mother to just finding other mothers and becoming quite obsessed with the topic of matrescence and with what had happened to me, with what I was experiencing, with the relationship changes, with my body changes. So I did what a lot of mothers do and I started reading all of the books and I retrained as a doula I left my um, career and really sunk into motherhood I was with my daughter for the first two and a half years of her life at home but while I was doing that I was also insatiably studying and trying to learn more about birth and pregnancy and becoming a mother so yeah, I dove right into it and it's almost seven years later. I haven't really looked back and I'm not currently practicing as a doula because it didn't actually suit being a mother of young children. I soon <laughs> found out. Yes, um, I've heard that quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I diversified into other ways to still stay immersed in this and that has been through women's circles. So mm. I still very much consider myself a doula Um, who supports women through pregnancy, preconception as well, and postpartum. Mm. But I predominantly do that work through circle work. Yes. So I'd love to explore more of that in a moment, but if it's okay with you, can we jump back to that experience of you on Mm. that couch with your partner away Monday to Friday, I think you said, incredibly Mm. sick, isolated, your whole sense of self has gone and also you, what you thought pregnancy and motherhood would look like was nothing mm. like what was happening. When you, through your eyes of today, with everything you now know, when you 
picture that version of yourself on that couch. What do you think? What do you see in your mind when you look at her now? I'm just thinking of the experience of some of the women who are listening who may be going through HG themselves or have only just come out the other side and are still processing that and still trying to make sense of what happened to them through that experience. I wonder, is it okay if we have a little Mm -hmm. lean into when you think about that now, what do you see? Honestly, seven years later, I'm still processing it. I um, We went out for lunch the other day and I ate something that made my stomach feel upset and I, I had nausea in the car home and it just brought up those feelings of, wow, I spent nine months of my life like quite mm. chronically ill and in my second pregnancy I was sick for four months, so not the entire time. I'm like, wow, I've spent more than a year of my life in motherhood being really sick and so I just send so much love and compassion to that version of me that just did what I needed to do to survive like Mm. I had safe foods which were chips I like to joke that my daughter was grown on hot chips and gravy because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what I could stomach at the time and I had all of these ideas that I would be eating so beautifully and nourishing my body and going for these walks and it would just be this connected time of bliss and I just watched a lot of TV and and sometimes couldn't even do that, to be honest. It was like, oh, that would make me nauseated. I'd try and read a book. That wouldn't help. I'd scroll on my phone. That wouldn't help. So there was just a lot of like Gosh. contemplation and uh, there was some regret. There was some, is this the right choice that we made? Even exploring earlier on, like, is a termination the thing that we do here? It never got further than that, but like my love and respect and um, compassion for anyone that makes that choice in in a HD pregnancy, like I just understand it's it's really awful. Um, And the courage it would have taken, the courage it would have taken to have a second child, mm -hmm. um, like that, again, that would have been an incredibly big turning point in your life, I would imagine. Well, he was not planned oh, and those so babies have a way he don't made they? that decision for <laughs> me and um, my age gap between the two is three and a half years and I was always hoping for five years and and part of that was the fallout of, of having that kind of pregnancy and going I wanted this 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 in place so mm. that if I was sick again that I would have the support at the time I thought my daughter would be in school we homeschool now but I thought you know, at least if she's taken care of in school, I could be sick on the couch again. Um, but I wasn't as well in that second pregnancy. And after the four-month mark, um, I felt really good. And it was it was healing and beautiful in one way and then also brought up a lot of sadness as well because that wasn't the experience the first time around. Thank you for saying that. I think so often we don't... It's hard for us to say out loud that although it was a beautiful experience, we were grieving what we didn't have before or that we can hold those two emotions at the same time. We can be Mm -hmm. so incredibly grateful and really sad that we didn't get this last time. And I think, again, for anyone who's listening to whatever they've been through in the process of becoming a mother, it's it's good to remember that as well. We can hold both Mm -hmm. of those emotions at the same time. And Mm -hmm. I say that about my second birth, which was a very redemptive, powerful home birth that I found incredibly um, not pleasurable (laughs) it was 
it was painful, but the what I got from that experience was was very powerful, and there was a lot of um, ecstasy in reaching and going past the pain, if that makes sense. Oh yes, but. I don't hold that birth up and say that healed my traumatic first birth, my my birth with my daughter, my circumstance with my daughter. They're always going to have a tinge of sadness. Mm-hmm. And I wish that that was her experience and it wasn't. And I'm also just so grateful that I went on the path of home birth and had the second birth that I did. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's murky feelings and every birthday brings it up, right, and yeah. probably will forever. Yes, I'm the same. I feel the same about my first um birth and and a lot of the experience of that first time motherhood um and I do think that um it does come up in those anniversaries in those moments and I also see that it formed me in a way that I don't know if I would have ever been formed Mm. if that hadn't happened It, it was the the birthing of me in so many ways if only it had been done in a different way and I feel it's the same for her and so, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I can see in you and here in your story that experience of the isolation, the incredibly difficult pregnancy, the traumatic birth within the hospital system, all of that, we wouldn't wish it on anybody, but in that something was formed, right? Something woke, mm-hmm. something changed. And do you see that really clearly now? Oh, 100%. I yeah. wouldn't be doing the work that I do or even be able to sit with women in the the way that I can and the empathy and the understanding that I can. Um, it's almost like my first my first daughter, she was, um, and she continues to be quite easygoing and um, very, uh, you know, I don't want to, she's delightful. She's very easygoing. She's just always been someone that others have connected to and she's just, you know, my son is a real firecracker and very challenging and has some difficult behaviours that crop up and really test me. But if I had just had my daughter, I would have thought I was the best mother in the world. I would have thought that I was the sum total of why she was like that and it was all come down to my perfect parenting. (laughs) And then I had my son who is also delightful and, you know, I'll put all the caveats in that all the mothers know. Like I love him just as equally but... (laughs) He tests me and he makes me become a better mother and I have to do more inner work with him and understanding with him. And so, yeah, it's um, my experience in pregnancy and, and birth. I just wouldn't be having this conversation with you today. I would still be working in marketing in the city probably if that hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about post-traumatic growth and, yes, again, I, I I sometimes wish that my path didn't take the path that it did, but I also think me and my daughter, we're here to do some really important work and she's a big part of my story and I see that her influence is going to continue in the influence of my work as well. So Couldn't we're agree here more. and mm. we're healing and healing is infinitely possible and mm. there's incredible support out there and I think if anybody's deep in it, just know that it takes time, like it's from seven years almost um, and still unravelling some stuff. But 
when I became a mum after those experiences, I just had to get into the work of motherhood. I wasn't really focused on therapy or doing other things like that. But as year two came around, I started to look into how I could really support myself and I've been doing that ever since. So mm-hmm. healing is possible and these experiences can make us very resilient and very empathetic to others. Oh, absolutely. So in that healing journey of yours, what has the role of building a community of women and safe spaces to talk and to share, what role has that played? A crucial one. Mm. Because without it, I just don't think I would have felt the bravery to to keep looking into my story, Um, but also just being in a circle space where you hear other mothers share similar and different things but if there's similar themes that arise it's just that feeling of I am not alone I can look to other people a little further ahead of me and I can take inspiration from them I can get the wisdom of other women's stories and know that like we've got this and we are infinitely powerful as women who birth and birth death sometimes and go through rites of passages like I've just drawn so much strength from women and women's stories. And then the rites of passage lens, looking at that as and matrescence as well and and the understanding that it is an identity death and breakdown and shift and it's there for a reason. And we have these rites of passages built into our body that so many other people seek through drugs or endurance sports or climbing mountains or anything that tests their body or their strength or their mental capacity and us mothers get them just <laughs> through through mothering a lot of the time um and I just have been able to have really honest and frank conversations in these spaces where you hear people admit that they're having a hard time with their kids and uh, they feel guilt or they're feeling this anger and and rage arise and they don't know what to do with it but at least they can talk about it in the circle and then somebody else has that same experience and then suddenly you go from that mother on the couch alone to connected with all of these people and all of these stories and you realize like we're all in this together nobody has like a perfect experience of motherhood um and yeah we can learn and grow together from it all Mm. It was similar for me. Finding a community, mine was online at first um, and then eventually built, you know, created some women's circles here in Sydney. But it was similarly, I I sought it for myself first because I wanted to find that place to see if anybody else was feeling the way that I was. And I remember at the time I found a book which I wanted to read just the beginning of it for you and for all of us, you've probably read it, Rachel. It's Circle of Stones by Judith Jurek. And I read it, I don't even know when, to be honest, at least 10 years ago now. And I've reread it so many times. The notes in here is, are ridiculous. But one of the things that I, this changed everything for me, this book, because it was this realization that as women, with these rites of passages, with these identity deaths and rebirths and these cycles that we go through we have to be in places where it's explained to us where we are reassured that what is what you are experiencing and what you're feeling is okay to have other stories around us 
And so I just wanted to read this to you and um, and then you know get you to reflect on it with me. So she starts the whole book, and this is almost a rhythm that she runs throughout the book of these questions she asks. But the very first one is, how might your life have been different if there had been a place for you, a place for you to go to be with your mother, with your sisters and the aunts, with your grandmothers and the great and great-great-grandmothers, a place of women to go, to be, to return to as women? How might your life be different? When I read that, it was like something returned. It it was like Mm -hmm. a remembering. It was, oh, it makes me emotional even just now. And I've literally read this, I think, a hundred times. And it changed everything. It made me create my business. It sort of got me on the path of this of what you you do as well, which is creating Mm. safe spaces for women to gather so we can hear our stories and have a space for women, about women, surrounded by women. Mm. What do you you feel when you hear that? Mm. When I have facilitated um, combined mother circles where we've got pregnant mothers who are there with seasoned mothers so they might have a few children what I see in the dynamic is just so much passing down of knowledge and wisdom through words through stories but just through actually being physically with each other so you see the pregnant women watching a seasoned mother breastfeed her baby or watching how she responds to her toddler when her toddler's like mom 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 and you just see them picking up so much what I've always craved in my circle spaces was the next layer to also have the muggers and to also have the crones and I'm not quite there yet because predominantly my marketing method is on Instagram and I don't know if that's where all the muggers and the crones are hanging out <laughs> um but I've recently put an ad in my local magazine um down on the south coast and I got an email yesterday from a 72 year old woman who said can I please join your women's circle and I was like yes yes it's working because We need that. We need that intergenerational wisdom and that um, patience and understanding that life is short and things change and if you're stressed about your baby's sleep, like, yes, we don't always love to hear that, oh, the days are long but the years are short and every day is a blessing. You don't always want to hear that. But there is a truth to that, of Mm. course, that Mm. um, that will pass and it won't always be that challenging. Um, But when I hear that for myself too, I hear... Um, my own maternal line is quite fractured and I don't have the relationships that I would love to have with my mother and my grandmother and my sister and um, through all sorts of life circumstances in our family history and a background of trauma. And it's like that's, I think, partly what I'm trying to find in circles as well is just that bringing together because it's so necessary and it's so needed. And it's really important to acknowledge that it needs to be a sacred space held in a sacred way. And so many of us in the isolation of early motherhood end up leaning on perhaps family or friends or um, you know, a mother or mother-in-law around us who isn't the safest place for us to get that support mm. and that reassurance. I've seen that so much over the last decade of working with women is that they're craving those spaces 
and they're turning to the people around them, hoping that they will step in and provide and, and nourish them the way that they want. And when they don't, they retreat mm. even more. And I think that's, I mean, it's, it's terribly sad and awful that that happens, but it's also really important that we talk about that this isn't just a, an idea of, you know, catching up with your friends. We're talking about places where there is an intention set, where yeah. everyone comes together with um, equal commitment to listening and supporting, that these spaces need to be protected and nourished, especially if you have any trauma in your world around girlfriends, mother, sister, grandmother, those types of things. So how do mm. you ensure when you're not only training others to run these circles but for yourself as well when you hold them, how do you ensure that those spaces are safe? Mm. Yeah, it's a big question and it's always going to be something that my work comes back to. And the first one is I am quite... <laughs> You know, we have this idea of a women's circle being this bowing and, you know, very spiritual space, which they are. They have that as the backbone, but I also bring in structure in my circles. And I really focus on um, talking the women through the boundaries and guidelines for how we meet in these spaces and the expectations that we have in them. Mm. So when I have a, a circle that has new women coming in, even if it's you know, nine women have come to five circles before and I've got one new woman, I go through the circle boundaries and guidelines because it's really important and I talk about the importance of everybody being on the same um, page here. So when it comes to sharing, we talk about um, that this is a place of deep listening and it's a practice and when your thoughts go away, just bring them back over and over again, um, that it's each woman's opportunity to share and she has the floor and we don't interrupt her and we don't cross talk and then we don't use her share as fuel for our share where we then break it down or talk about our experiences or our anecdotes of how that relates to us. Mm -hmm. The woman shares, we acknowledge that we hear her and then we move on to the next woman. And I'm always doing like the energetic space holding, like looking around the room, seeing how body language is feeling, seeing if there are any silent tears dropping from anyone's faces. I let it be known that it's it's a place where emotions can be felt. It's totally fine to cry. It's totally fine to express yourself. But I also do have the caveat that this isn't a replacement of therapy, although sometimes it can feel like that. Um, but there is a scope for what the circle can hold. And so it's not the place to necessarily divulge the latest traumatic thing that has happened to you without doing any other external seeking of support. Um, and so I'll, I'll say those words to that degree and let people know, like, it's not just a place where everyone tells a traumatic story. And sometimes that happens in the maternal child health nurse mother's groups especially when they meet at that six-week mark and they've just had the baby and the, the nurse will say, so tell us your birth story. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And <laughs> I just think, oh, that, that's, there's nothing about that that is a safe and held container. When I do birth story debriefing in my circles, we do it from, a diff from multiple different ways. We'll often use art and so we'll have um, 
the opportunity to express our feelings and what happened in birth through an artwork, through symbols. And then we might share about the feelings that we experience, but we're not going into really detailed Mm. play-by-plays of what has happened, Mm. especially if I then have pregnant women in the circle I will say like it's really important that we've got vulnerable open sensitive women in circle who can't hear this when they're 36 weeks pregnant so I'm just always thinking like who's in the space what do I need to protect I come from the the position that women are strong and that they can handle heavy and hard things but that also this isn't a place where we just essentially trauma dump and then we let everybody take it home with us so I talk about the self-responsibility of someone who shares in circle but also the community responsibility acknowledging that we all have families and we all have lives to go home to and so it's 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 a fine balance and look sometimes I haven't got it right and sometimes in my early days of running circles things have got a little bit messy and it's a learning experience, right? I've been doing this for six years running circles and I've been sitting in them for over 10. So it's not something that just you get from the very first one. It is a practice. Um, But then I also know my scope and I know who my referrals are. So if something's been divulged in circle and it's beyond what the circle can handle, I have a list of practitioners and other people that I can refer people to. Um, I'll follow up with people with an email or a text message if it feels appropriate. I'll take someone aside after at the end of a circle and just check in with them if if they need some extra support on the day. And then we're doing the energetics. So we're shifting the way the room smells. We're opening windows. We're using sprays. We're using laughter. I infuse a lot of humour in my circles because you can get the release from the crying, but it can feel really good to bring in that lightness again. Mm crack some jokes and make people come back to that play. We use ritual, we use music, we use movement, we use meditation. And I also always talk and and tell the women that I train that everything is an invitation, not an obligation. So if we're about to do a guided meditation and the person doesn't want to, they can sit up and close Mm -hmm. their eyes and daydream about something else or they can sit outside or, like, you know, it's open to to them and their needs Mm -hmm. similar if we're doing something that might be a ritual around eye gazing and I know that I've got women who are neurodivergent in the group and eye gazing would just not be something they want to do it it's probably something I'm not going to choose in that particular circle or I'll have different options Mm -hmm. so it's like just responding every circle is different and then sometimes what I've got written and planned I'll change in the circle because I'm like oh no this group, that's not going to be appropriate for this group. Yes. Um, but that comes with confidence over time. It can be quite daunting to feel, how would I, how would I change something when I've had a plan? Yes. Um, and so when so, women start, or when women start out with their circles, I do tend to advise them to start with more of the light topics. So it might be a gratitude circle or it might be a goal setting circle or something like that. Like you're not going to go in and go, my first women's circle was on birth trauma. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> I also find with uh, a lot of the women I've trained over the years, the biggest fear is um, what if I don't know what to say to her? You know, what if I can't fix this? What if I mm-hmm. don't know what to do in that moment? And the greatest lessons I've learned in this work of 
over a decade now is, as you beautifully said, to believe in the strength of women and to Mm. believe in their own inner answers and their inner um, knowing. And what Mm. I've seen is one of the greatest gifts of women's circles that are held in the way that you hold them, where you are not there to be fixed or to fix Mm. anybody else or to have an answer or an anecdote that will change the way they feel, but to Mm. witness in somebody as they talk through their story or they share what they want to share, you see in them the shifting of their own emotions and the finding of their own answers right before your eyes. You didn't need to do anything. They just needed Mm. a space to be held. Obviously, some things can't be done in one women's circle, but over and over again, that has floored me, Rachel, to sit Mm. back. And some of the women will come back to me afterwards who have started their own circles or done this work. And they're like, Amy, I kind of didn't need to say anything. They all just moved through it themselves and it was there. And I think as a circle holder, a space holder and a coach, that's the one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is to see how once a woman is in a space where she feels beautifully safe and totally okay to share her story, her feelings or her emotions, to witness in her how she moves through it herself and then remembers that she'll be okay or whatever it is she needs to remember. That is such a blessing, isn't it? Oh, and it's, you know, we think the simplest things need to be complicated sometimes Mm. and, and... They don't. But what I will say is you're right when it's not just one circle that's going to make the difference mm. and it's it's kind of like yoga, it's like meditation, it's a practice. So if you keep coming back to circle, that's when you see these mm-hmm. life-changing benefits that happen. Um, women who have come to my circle say like it ripples out into the way they parent and the way they have relationships and then just the way they speak and also listen to others. So once you're in the circle way of that deep listening and presence and you're not trying to jump in and you're not trying to fix or rescue or change the person, you're just there to meet them where they are, then suddenly you're just having deeper connection in your everyday life as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I love witnessing that. And you can see when it happens. You can see the shift in body language. You can see the shoulders drop. You can see through those cleansing tears that women release that, they're moving through something and they're going to come out the other side and it's just that deep trust that I have in women to do that. Yes. Um, And then when they get to hear the other women and they draw that strength from them too, it's it's so powerful and so beautiful. Yes. just love it so much. It's such a privilege to to be able to be a part of it and to see others um, have that transformation. We'll pop Mm. in the show notes your training. And when it's next open for enrollment and and um, all of your resources, but finally, if someone was listening to this and they're like, "Oh, I, I want to go to a women's circle," um, I don't even know how you find them these days, Rachel. What do you recommend? Obviously, we're talking about Australia here, and um, we'll mm. put anything, all the resources we get into the show notes. But again, I'm thinking this is something we need to ensure we find places that feel right for us. So mm. when someone says, I'd love to join a women's circle, I don't even know where one would be, have you got any mm. thoughts or suggestions? Yeah, so I get this question almost daily. And so <laughs> a long-term vision of mine is to create a, a directory, yes. not just of together facilitators, but of, of women's circles globally because mm. I think that would just be so powerful. 
in the interim, on my Instagram, I do have a breakdown of the states in Australia. Great. And where's your women's circle? And then I've got like under New South Wales, there's about 100 different um, comments of circles in New South Wales under Victoria, same deal. I don't think I have any in the Northern Territory. So if anyone is listening and <laughs> has a circle there, but message me like I am, I'm really on the ground with not mm-hmm. only the, the women that have come through my training, but just women's circles in, in general. Mm-hmm. I'm so open to directing people to different places because it's like my life's work to connecting people to their community because I just know how beneficial it was for me. Um, but a good old Google search of location and women's circle, have a look on Eventbrite often is where mm. women will advertise. Um, otherwise, I've got, yeah, I've got New Zealand as well and Australia on my Instagram. Well, we're going for a global directory now. This is yeah, the, I know, right? <laughs> this is the goal. Oh, amazing. You said very early on in this conversation that you're a community connector. And I wrote that down. I thought that is such a wonderful description of, of what you do and what you're facilitating for so many so thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom i'll make sure everything's in the show notes i'm sure you'll be inundated with requests for circles so thank you again thank you amy appreciate it thanks as always for being a part of our global matrescence community Please take a moment and make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player so you can always be notified of our next episode. And if you would like to work with a coach on your own experience of matrescence, please go to mummarising.net and explore our directory of phenomenal coaches, workshop leaders, space holders and facilitators around the globe. You can also explore our Global Matrescence Foundation and consider donating so a mama in need can access the support of one of our coaches and still ensure that our coaches receive the income and support they need so they can continue to work in this way. And finally, if you would like to be a coach, a facilitator and a matrescence activist in your own community, jump on our wait list for our next intake of the Mama Rising Facilitator Training at mamarising.net. Thank you for being here and being part of this movement. Until next week, bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.